Let's continue in prayer. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive honor, glory, power, might, and blessing. We come into your presence, Lord Jesus, and we honor you, our Savior and our Lord, our Redeemer, promised one, eternal one. All that we have, we have because of you. Thank you for your salvation and your grace for us. Thank you for suffering that we might live. Heavenly Father, we seek to honor the Lord Jesus today. Holy Spirit of God, move among the people today. May we turn our hearts and minds to Jesus. May we celebrate and praise His name and live for Him all the days of our life. Worthy is the Lord, and we say it together. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you have your Bibles, find your place in Genesis chapter number three. Good to see all of you this morning. May the Lord bless you. I'm Pastor Mike. If you're a guest with us here today, we're honored to have you anytime with us. This is our 1030 hour, and we have an earlier service at nine o'clock. Thank you for being with us. And these days we're talking about a very important topic. We've been, we've been looking at this for some time. I want us as a church to think about the duty we have to remember our Creator. So all of you in your relationship to Jesus Christ, today I remind you, remember your Creator. If you're here today or you hear my voice and you're not certain if you believe in the Lord Jesus or if you believe in God, well, there's an obligation for all to turn to Jesus and remember the Creator. So we've been looking at some very important themes in the earliest parts of our Bible, Genesis, the, the beginning of all things, the origin of all things. I remind you that the words we read from Genesis are not stories and made up stories and myths and fables. They are a record of, of actual history, a record of the six days of creation uh, when God made uh, everything from what never was. He created all things out of nothing that is the glory of God to create all things. We've seen a number of things in Genesis chapter 1. God saw that it was good and what God made, it was so, it was settled. And then we come to these terrible words in Genesis chapter number 3 and we'll find our place there again today. History changed. The day sin came into the world and God brought curse and condemnation because of sin and drove mankind out of the garden paradise east of Eden. So let me read just a few passages. I hope you'll keep your Bible open today. We, as time permits, we may have an opportunity to look at some other things together. Genesis chapter number two, we read God's command in the garden paradise. Genesis 2.16, the Lord God commanded the man, saying, From any tree of the garden you may eat freely, but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat from it you will surely die. Then we go to Genesis chapter number 3. The serpent said to the woman, chapter 3 verse 4, you surely will not die, contradicting what God has said. And we know the devil was possessing this um, creature, the serpent, 
saying these words to Eve. Verse 6, chapter 3. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from its fruit and ate. And she gave also to her husband with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loin coverings. Verse 8, Then they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to man and said, Where are you? Then, verse 13, The Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? Where are you? God says to sinful man, disobedient men and women, where are you and what have you done? Then we read these words beginning in verse 14. The Lord God said to the serpent, speaking beyond this creature, but to the one behind it, the one possessing it, the devil, because you have done this, cursed are you more than all the cattle and more than every beast of the field on your belly you will go and dust you will eat all the days of your life. Now our focus today is verse 15. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He, notice the pronoun, he shall bruise you on the head and you shall bruise him on the heel. Heavenly Father, now bless the reading of your word and may the Holy Spirit be our teacher today. In Jesus' name, amen. Man sins, as we've just read, and God gives grace to sinful mankind. Man sins in the garden paradise God has given to him. And what is God's response? God gives grace to sinful mankind. By grace... Verse number 21, if you want to look there. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. By grace, God provided skins from innocent animals, the death of an innocent animal, in order to provide skin coverings, clothing, for humans to cover their nakedness. By grace, God provides skins from the innocent death of animals to cover their nakedness. By grace, we also see God protects humans from the temptation of eating of the tree of life that would cause eternal sinfulness. We read in verse number 24 of chapter 3, So he drove man out. What a sad word. We saw it last week and I talked about it in detail. So he drove man out. God drove the man out of the Garden of Eden. At the east of the Garden of Eden, he stationed the cherubim and the flaming sword which turned every direction to guard the way to the tree of life. And then we see these very strange words, words that we're going to pay attention to today. By grace, God made a promise. You see, that's what grace does. Grace provides in Christ. Grace protects us in Christ. And by grace, 
God promises all fulfillment in life through Jesus Christ. By grace, God promised the coming one Savior who would die for sin and destroy Satan. There's violence in verse number 15. Did you see it? There's violence here. What does it take in order to rectify sinful man and his condition when he has freely disobeyed God? That's what all of us have done. Just like Adam and Eve sinned in the same way, disobeying God. Doing what we choose to do in open rebellion against God. We are the same. We're, we're the same in our sin as Adam and Eve. But now we read these words, and I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise you on the head, and you shall bruise him on the heel. You see, the one with the crushed heel is the one who crushed the head of the devil. Mark it down. The one, the Lord Jesus Christ, is who is being spoken of here. Jesus Christ, the one with the bruised heel, is the one who bruises. You see the Hebrew word for bruises? To crush. The one with a crushed heel, Jesus Christ, is the one who crushed the head of the devil. And so our focal truth today is this, that God promised sinful mankind, one, a person, a man, who would bring salvation and Satan's destruction. That's at the heart of the gospel. Sometimes these words are called the first gospel. They are the first time we find this great promise, the promise of the one who is to come, the one, the coming one, the coming one who has come but is coming again, Jesus Christ, this coming, this obscure word, He shall bruise you on the head and you shall bruise Him. The pronouns are important. On the heel, this first gospel is the declaring for the first time in the midst of the garden paradise that's now, uh, the sinful man is now about to be removed from this promise of the coming one. We follow the promise all the way through the Word of God. Today there's absolutely no way I can possibly describe to you all that that means. That comes in all of our preaching and our teaching as we work through the Word of God all the time. But it is the duty of all of you to know and understand that there is a promised one. His name is Jesus. That Jesus is the promised one of whom the Lord is speaking, who would come and all of Scripture, woven through all the pages of the Word of God, through all of the history of the Old Testament and the Jewish people coming to fruition, we're about to celebrate at Christmas time, God with us, Emmanuel, the incarnation of Jesus Christ. The promise is fulfilled in Jesus Christ. He is the promised one. He is the one with the crushed heel who crushes the head of the devil. I have three observations for you today. I could make many, but I'm simply going to take each line of verse number 15 and talk about them for a moment. Number one, there is permanent hostility that exists between humans and Satan. Now I want to talk about that. That's the first line, verse 15. I will put enmity. The word enmity means hostility. I will put enmity between you and the woman. This is God speaking about the way it will be in the world. Now that sin has come into the world and 
We're all born east of Eden, all born into a sinful world of godlessness. You see, the only world we've known is a world of corruption and sin and wickedness and godlessness. We were born into a world as sinners in a world of sin, east of Eden. And in that world, there is great hostility. We don't see it. We look at all the things on the surface. We report it on the news. It's what we see, but it's what you don't see that God is speaking to here from the devil who has possessed this creature. He's speaking directly to Satan, the rebellious angel who fell and revolted against God and seeks to be God in the place of God. There's permanent hostility that exists between humans and the devil. And I want to elaborate for a moment. Then secondly, we see here that Jesus Christ is the seed. He is the seed of the woman and he is the enemy of Satan. Make no mark about it. You see, and between your seed, between your seed and her seed, the scripture says, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. It's not the seed of Adam, it's the seed of the woman. And so that is very important and significant for us as we honor the Lord Jesus in the glory of his virgin birth, the seed of the woman. And then we'll see finally that Jesus Christ, the promised seed of the woman, will, has and will destroy Satan. But many people today laugh when the church talks about the devil. Many people say, oh, you're deluded, Pastor Mike. Your education has made you crazy. You're insane. A devil? A devil? A Satan? An evil one? Why, where have you gone? What have you learned? What are you doing? Well, today we're reminded that the greatest enemy of all is not your neighbor, is not somebody who's done you wrong, it's not another country, it's not somebody that you used to have a relationship with and they're not the great enemy that you have, is the devil. And it's important for us to understand what his continued power, though it is limited, is on this earth, this very moment as we share the gospel. So let's get to it. Hostility. I will put enmity between you and the woman. Hostility. Unceasing conflict. Where, where do we begin? Uh, chapter 4, verse 1. The man had relations with his wife Eve. She conceived and gave birth to Cain. And, and she said, perhaps Eve thought, now this is the one. This is the promised one. This is the seed I have gotten a man-child with the help of the Lord, but we soon find out. Cain and a brother, Abel, first two children born into the world. They, have a, they, they, they bring their religious sacrifices and, and Cain brings his offering and God does not respond to it. And so Cain, in jealousy and rage, kills his brother. The seed, the righteous seed of Abel, Abel is gone. Noah lives in a sinful, godless world. We'll talk about it more next week. And the flood came and destroyed all that was on the earth, except for Noah and his family. Abraham. Abraham in chapter 12 of Genesis is going to be, is going to, uh, as, a, as a godless moon worshiper actually, meets God and God promises to him, I will bless you. And through your seed will all the nations of the world be blessed. The seed, 
the seed is promised. Abraham lives among godless people, but by faith he believes God and he believes the promise of this seed that was coming. Moses comes into the world and Pharaoh seeks to kill all of the Jewish babies, but Moses is saved out in the little boat that was made for him. Herod seeks to kill the children in Jerusalem because he's heard the newborn king of the Jews has been born. The religious leaders plotted to kill Jesus throughout his ministry. Hostility. Hostility toward the seed. You see, there's violence in verse number 15. There's violence here. And it starts because there is a war, because the devil seeks to destroy the promised one, the seed who is coming. You see, Jesus spoke a lot about the devil. In the days ahead, Lord willing, I want to speak to our church more about the devil because I think we've, we've uh, undervalued and underappreciated uh, what the devil seeks to do today. The Lord said it this way, John 8, 44. Let me just read it. John 8, 44. He was talking to the Pharisees who were, who, were believing, who were living in unbelief, just like the devil, and he said, you are of your father, the devil. Listen to the Lord's words about the devil. This is John 8, 44. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks of his own nature for he's a liar and he's the father of lies, John 8, 44. He is a liar and he's the father of lies. He is a murderer from the beginning. This is that strange, this is that uh, angel who has fallen, the fallen angel Lucifer now called Satan, the enemy, the opposer of God. He is, he is hostile toward every human being. I like what one old preacher said years ago, the task of the devil is to take as many human beings to hell with him as he can. That is the single task, to lie, to set up traps and schemes, and to place in this world that he is the God over, to place in this world ways that human beings don't see a need for God. They live satisfied walking and living in darkness. Paul said it this way, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. Listen, this is your friends and neighbors who don't know Jesus. This matters. This is why we send missionaries. This is why we talk to our friends. This is why we appeal to them to come to Jesus because they're perishing. Paul says, the word of God, the gospel is veiled. They can't understand about Jesus dying and being raised from the dead and, and ascending. They don't understand the purpose. Their minds are blinded, as Paul says, because the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving. When you talk to unbelievers and they don't care about God, it's because they've been blinded and they're living under the delusional lies of the devil. We're reminded of the importance of the devil as the deceiver. Finally, Revelation says, the serpent of old who is called the devil and Satan, he deceives the whole world. This is his task to deceive and to practice deception. Why would the Lord say to us in the disciples' prayer, Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Because I promise you this very hour, there is hostility 
toward every human being from the evil one and his forces. You see, the devil focuses in on attacking the church, especially believers. Revelation 12 says the dragon was enraged with the woman, representing the church, and went off to make war with the rest of her children. There's a war going on between God's people and the devil and his forces who keep the commandments of God. There are two kingdoms at war here. There is the kingdom of this world and the kingdom of God, the reigning Lord Jesus Christ. The Word of God tells us, Colossians chapter 1, For He rescued us. This is for you who are saved in this room. Listen to these good news words. For He, that is God the Father, rescued us from the domain of darkness. You were born and I was born into the domain of darkness into a world of godlessness and wickedness. We were born as sinners among sinners, east of Eden in the domain of darkness. But praise God when you were saved and you believed in Jesus. Listen, Colossians 1.13. God transferred you out of the domain of darkness to the kingdom of His beloved Son. Praise God. 1 John chapter 2 tells us that we're not to love the world. The, lo the world is a trap. It's the... It's the world belonging to the God of this world, as the Lord Jesus calls the devil. He's the one who runs the show here. Who's behind all the nations? Who's behind all the evil and wickedness and godliness? As I say every week, do you really need to watch the news to be shocked by the cruelty and the wickedness and godlessness of the world? Who is behind it? There is one who seeks to take as many human beings to hell as possible, lying to them, saying what, he, what they want to believe to keep them delusional. Don't love the world nor the things of the world. The God of this world has set it up. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life, they're not from God the Father, they're from the world. There is endless hostility, permanent hostility between Satan and human beings, and especially the church. That's why. That's why. You have to put on your armor. That's why Paul took the time. I know who I'm talking to today. I know most of you very well. That's why Paul said, put on the armor. Ephesians 6. What did he say to you? He said, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Your real battle, your real struggle... Your real difficulties are not from what you see, it's from those unseen ones. Principalities and powers, rulers in darkness. You see, we stand and put on the armor of God as saved men and women, and we do our battling and we resist the devil and he runs away. Secondly, Jesus Christ is the promised seed of the woman and he is the enemy of Satan. There's violence here. What did it take for you and I to be saved. It took the crushing of the heel of our Lord Jesus. So here we have this unbelievable statement being made. What violence it took, what violence it took to the promised one in order for us to be saved. He is the seed of the woman. We have his genealogies in Matthew and Luke describing him as the genealogy, Matthew says, the record of the genealogy of Jesus, Messiah, son of David, son of Abraham. We have Paul saying to us, when Abraham was told by God, I will take and I will bless you through your seed, all the nations will be blessed. Listen, I'll just read it. Galatians 
Galatians 3.16, Paul says, The promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. He does not say, and to seeds, as referring to many, but to one, your seed. Through your seed, all the nations will be blessed, and that seed was Christ. So when we talk about Jesus Christ, we're talking about what happened at the very beginning and the origin of time. When sin first entered the world, I don't know what day it was. I don't know how long of a distance it was between Genesis 2.24 at the beautiful marriage ceremony of Adam and Eve until that day they were in the garden and believed the lie of the devil. I don't know how long it was. These are historic facts that happened. And in history and in the midst of in the midst of declaring curse and condemnation, in the midst of man's sin, God's grace comes through the violence of the crushing of the promised one's heel, but the violence of the crushing of the head of the devil. Look, every believer, every believer longs for the day when the devil is destroyed. The destruction of the evil one is all through the families of the earth. The destruction of the evil one is seen all in the behavior of the nations. The destruction of the evil one is seen in the very fabric and network of all that man touches or seeks to invent. You see, Jesus is the promised seed. When the fullness of the time came, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law. So we preach the promised seed, Jesus Christ. He's called by many names as the seed is spoken of through the Word of God and through the prophets. As God speaks through them, He is the seed, He's the branch, He's the servant, He's the stone, He's the root, He's the lion, He's the, he's the firstborn, He's the Son, He's the beloved Holy One of God. I could go on. This is the one who is your Savior. This is the one who is your Lord and His name, He is the promised seed of the woman. As says here, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. And her seed is Jesus Christ, the enemy of the devil. Finally, Jesus is the promised seed of the woman and Satan is destroyed. I'll move quickly and finish here. Destruction. There won't be any making up with the devil. There won't be any grace for the evil one. Only destruction. You see, the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ, when you think about the cross as we so wonderfully had the opportunity to sing praise to the Lord today, something was happening that you couldn't see. There was a, there was a destruction, a, a, a first step in the final destruction of the devil and his authority taking place on the cross of Jesus. When, he was, when the devil was bruising his heel, when he was being crucified, something was happening. And I'd like for you to listen to it from Colossians 2. You'd have to turn there quickly, but I'm going to go ahead and read it for the sake of time. Colossians 2, 14, having canceled. Now he's describing what Jesus did when he died on the cross. What happened that you could not see when Jesus died on the cross? Colossians 2, 14, having canceled out the certificate of death, a debt consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us, He has taken them out of the way. That is, when Jesus died on the cross, He took out all those certificates of condemnation against us as a sinner. Having nailed them 
to the cross when he disarmed the rulers and the authorities. That's what you couldn't see. That's what you didn't see when the gospel writers spoke of Calvary. Something was happening that you could not see. They were being disarmed. They were being disarmed, the devil and all of his demons. You see, they were disarmed and they were made a public display and Jesus triumphed over them. You see, this is the promised seed. When the demons saw him coming and walking in the gospel in chapter 4 of Luke, what does the devil say to him? What business do we have with each other? Jesus of Nazareth, have you come to destroy us, the demons say, because they know the ancient promise that had come in the garden to the devil. And now they cringe and say, we know who you are, the Holy One of God. What the demons know, lost men and women don't know. Jesus Christ is the Holy One of God. What they do not see, what they will not believe, what they refuse to do, Jesus was bruised on His heel on the cross so that they might be saved from their sins. But you see, finally the Lord is coming again. I talk to you about this all the time. The current events in, uh, in Palestine and in Israel are a part of the birth pangs. You see, the birth pangs get closer and closer and closer until the Lord soon finally comes again to this earth. Paul said it when he was talking to remind the believers they were, they were struggling with the battle with the devil going on and on. And he says to them in Romans 16, it, it's kind of an obscure verse. We don't look at it often. Romans 16, 20, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Now, how about that? The crushing of the devil through Christ and His church. And you see the Lord will finally destroy the devil when He plucks him up and the angels take him and throw him in the lake of fire and brimstone. This is His final judgment. There is someone that you must know who is against you. There is someone who is hostile to your relationship to God. He cannot touch you, as we learn. He cannot touch you nor uh, take you away from being saved. But He can discredit you if you believe His lies. Now I'm talking to you as a Christian. Why do we, why do we uh, pay attention to our flesh and why do we pay attention to our lust? Because they'll lead you. there's a trap. There's traps set in this godless world. The God of this world has set traps. He has strategies. He has schemes. Believers, don't fall into them. Watch what you do. Watch where you go. Watch and pray that you not enter into temptation. This was our Lord's words. Those are for you now. Those are not just great ideas that He was talking to some disciples about. He was saying them to you. Watch and pray. Are you paying attention? Are you alert to your surroundings? Are you associating or giving yourself to things, watching things uh, on your electronic devices and listening to people you ought not to listen to? Are you associating in places that you ought not to? You see, deliver us from evil. Uh, help us not to be tempted is for us as believers because there's someone against us. That's what I want you to remember this morning. The battle between good and evil continues in the world. 
and your resistance to the devil is important as a church. You see, we're resisting the devil even this morning. We're saying no. We're refusing to believe a lie that everybody's going to be fine when they die and go to heaven. That's a lie. That is a lie. Everyone's not okay who dies without Jesus. Everyone, it's a lie. Don't believe the lie. Don't believe the lie. Don't get in some kind of a happy thought going that will lull you to sleep from your, your resistance to that lie and going out and saying to every person you have, be courageous and stand up and say to people, do you know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? Have you ever been forgiven of your sins? Let me tell you how Jesus Christ has changed my life. Not, not the church, not my relationship with somebody else who's a Christian. Let me tell you how I came to know Jesus Christ. We must do this and remember that He is the Lord over all and has the death of... He has the keys to death and hell. The devil... We just went through this season of... Halloween, as uh, the unbeliever likes to talk about. Uh, the, the devil is not in charge of hell or death. The devil goes to hell. He's not in charge of it. Let me tell you who is. The Lord Jesus Christ has the keys of death and hell. He is the one whom we must fear who can kill the body and send someone to hell. He is the great triumphant one. He is the one with the bruised heel who has smashed already the head of the devil, though the devil seeks to try to do his work, but finally it will come to an end. So what do I say to you today? Believer and unbeliever alike, repent of your sins. Believe the Lord Jesus Christ. Live a life that honors God. Walk with God. Refuse the devil and resist Resist going back to the old ways. Resist the devil and he will flee from you and worship the Lord Jesus as we've tried to do today with reverence. Psalm 2 is a psalm about Jesus. It's a prophecy. And in the prophecy it says, Rejoice with trembling. Do homage to the Son. You know what it means to worship God? Now, Americans don't like to do homage. We, we, don't, we don't even like that word. But it's a good, good Bible word. It's a good word for believers because we came here today and we've done homage to the Son. Listen to the psalm. Do homage to the Son that He become not angry and you perish in the way for His wrath may soon be kindled. You see, He's coming again, not in grace, but in judgment. The judgment of the Lord is coming and the nations will rise up against the Lord Jesus and battle against Him. And finally, finally the one with the bruised heel, the one who is the Word of God, who comes in triumph, will take and remove the world of the evil one. He will reign for a thousand years and then the end will come and a new heaven and a new earth will come. When Jacob was prophesying over Judah, his son, he said these strange words. They're words for us to remember about the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. I say Lord Jesus Christ. Listen. The scepter shall not depart from Judah. The scepter. 
That's what kings have. The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff between his feet. You see, the rod and the staff until Shiloh comes. And to him shall be the obedience of the people. And that is our Lord Jesus Christ. And as we finish today, I remind you of the violence that it took for the Lord Jesus. It is the bruising of His heel. He died on the cross. Did you hear the words of that song that we were singing? The pain, the rejection, the violence, the suffering of Jesus for our sins. It took the violence of His death in order that He might be raised and crucified to crush the head of the devil. And every believer in this room, that's why we bow. Because He is the one who has freed us from our enemy. Aren't you glad to know that today, my friend? Praise the Lord Jesus.